invite you first to pray. Then we're going to go to Luke chapter 17, where we have been all this time in Luke chapter 17. And let me invite you to bow your heads, please. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you are doing in our midst. Um, We give you the praise and the glory and the honor because you're worthy of it. Um, We magnify you. We glorify you. We we extend our hands to you, Lord, as an act of surrender. If it's possible, just extend your hands to the heavens. Just as an act of surrender. Surrender to the Holy Spirit and the teaching of your word, Jesus. The Father, this is not just some monologue, but Holy Spirit, speak to your people in ways I cannot. You've given me a text, you've given me a thought, but they need your truth. And so with our hands extended, we want your truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. We'll live in a time of where there is so much false teaching that has led many astray. But we pray with our hands extended that you will give us your truth, that we may be able to encounter you, God, and walk out our faith equipped to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And so we honor and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me invite you, please, if you haven't turned with your Bibles yet, to Luke chapter 17. I'm going to read from verses 11 to 19, a very, very critical part of the scriptures that's so important. Verse 11 of the English Standard Version begins, and it says, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Verse 12, and he entered a village. He was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. Verse 13, And lifted up their voice, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Praise God. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, notice the difference. He first said, go, and as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was, there it is, healed, he turned back, praising God with what? A loud voice. So could it get loud in church? Amen. And he fell on his face, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. Luke wanted to make sure we point that out. Then Jesus answered, Where are, were not ten cleansed? Jesus asked this question. Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Some translation has it made you well. We're going to see that it's actually made you whole when you understand the Greek. Amen. God, thank you for the reading of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. We began this series, and I've had you take a look at I am healed as a statement of faith. I think it's important that you as a believer start confessing you're healed. I think you have to have your faith be stronger than your feelings and definitely stronger than your fears. That's great to take note right there, that in my confession, when people ask you, why do you keep confessing that you are healed? Because my faith has to be stronger than my feelings and has to be stronger than my fears. To have concern is normal. 
But to be in bondage of that is abnormal. And so the Bible is clear that we ought to be people of faith. And so that's the reason why we provided the T-shirts. And if you would like to get a hat or even a hoodie, you can do that. It is for you to make a statement of faith. So let's actually put this into practice. Repeat after me. I am healed. It's a statement of faith. The moment you release in the atmosphere, you're changing things by faith. Now, if those of you perhaps who are sick in your body today and that you have an ailment, or for some perhaps who's watching online, you have a disease, and God forbid if someone has a terminal disease, making that statement almost seems to be disingenuous. But I'm here to tell you that it is a statement of faith because the Bible says you're healed. That's what the Bible says, that I am healed. And so whether it is an ailment, whether it's an infirmity, whether it's a terminal thing that the enemy has brought on, not God, we're going to confess that I am healed. So one more time, say with me, I am healed. healed. Then we moved into looking at the benefits of being a believer, the benefits of being a believer. And it is my prayer today that at the middle, perhaps at the end of this message that I reveal to you, the value and the importance of being a balanced biblical believer. You've heard me say that over and over again. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because you cannot live in extremes and see the fullness of God and his nature for your life. You will live frustrated living in the extremes. You will live exhausted living in the extremes. You will reveal eventually that you're religious if you live in the extremes. The reason why we live in the extremes is because it's easier to do that than it is to live balanced. Because to live balanced, you have to know your benefits. To live balanced, you have to know your benefits. So I am healed really speaks of the benefits of a believer. And I'm going to share with you a, a, a really important concept to understand why it is that we see some people that just live anyway... And we have some people who live constantly in the guilt of the enemy. We have some people who live in the extreme of grace. And we have some people who live in the extreme of guilt. But where God wants you and I to live is in his grace and in his glory. Come on. And in his goodness. That's where we're supposed to live. Let me say it again because someone needs to hear that. God wants us to live in his grace that brings his glory because God is good. Not in the extreme over here of abusing grace and not in the extreme over here of living in guilt. And so as we take a look at the benefits, I want to begin first by letting you know that benefits are important. How many know that certain positions that you take from an employment perspective is based on benefits? They can probably give you all the money that they want, but then when you ask them, what are the benefits? And so here's what someone said, the importance of employees' benefits. It says, why are employees' benefits important? It says, offering benefits to your employees is important because it shows them that you are invested in not only their overall health, but in their future. That's what they're saying, that employees, employers, excuse me, offer employees benefits because they want to let you know that they want to invest not only in your overall health, But in your future, a solid employee benefit package, benefit package, 
can help to attract and retain talent. I want you to get that. Benefits can help you differentiate your business from the competitor. So here is someone who's very gifted, talented, and you offer them all of this, but you have no benefits. Someone could come in and say, I appreciate the benefit you're offering because you're invested in the overall health and you're also invested in my future. So benefits are absolutely vital. They're critical. So in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19, I have identified five benefits of a believer. Let me give them to you. So if you want to write them down, you can do that or perhaps listen to this message again or perhaps share this message with someone that you need to let them know that at the moment they became a believer, they have what? Benefits. And it's not just about going to heaven when you die so you don't live in abundance here on earth. Can someone say amen to that? I'm going to tell you when you tell people that all that there is is that when you die and you go to heaven, they will forfeit all the benefits of living here on earth. So in Luke chapter 17, verse 11 to 19, here are the benefits. We looked at this one last week. The first benefit is this. We are all in this together. That's verse 12. If we notice from verse 12 that they were all in this together, that the Bible says there were 10 lepers. Now, in Luke chapter 7, we read that Jesus healed a leper. And why is it important that we take a look at this particular text? It's important because John the Baptist, for many of you that know, John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus, but the forerunner of Christ. And so John the Baptist got arrested because he was bold, he lived balanced, he lived biblical, and he got arrested. And so he's in a place of prison. He's, he's, he's in prison. And he asked the question to his disciples, is this Jesus really the Messiah or should we look for somebody else? And Jesus answered the disciples of John and says, tell John that the lepers are cleansed. Why would he tell them that? Why not just say, I am the Messiah? Why not just tell them that, hey, it's me? But he goes, no, let him know that lepers are being cleansed. Why? Because there was no way that anybody, the priest, there was nobody back in the first century who was able to heal or cure leprosy except God. And so he wants John to know that the what I'm doing practically is fulfilling prophetic uh, a scripture. So that's why as a believer that when we get a prophetic word, we must walk it out practically so people can believe in the God we say that we know that we encounter. Every encounter of God is to lead you to evangelism. Every encounter of God is to leave you equipped to speak his word. And so he's telling John, don't get discouraged. The leopards are being cleansed. And then he gave some other stuff. And so when we look at this, the first thing we realize is that we see that there are 10 leopards now. Not only can Jesus heal one person, he can heal all people. Come on, that is so amazing. That what he's saying is this, that he's no respecter of person. He didn't just heal you and then you. I don't want to heal you and you. No, there were 10 lepers and he healed every single one of them. So I'm here to say prophetically and with full confidence, no matter what you're facing, if it's separate from the neighbor on your right and on your left, guess what? Jesus wants to heal it all because we're all in this together. And we saw this with Numbers chapter 12, that the reason why I went there as a subtext in Numbers chapter 12 was because I wanted you to understand that we see in this account of Miriam that not only did she contact uh, leprosy because, because of a skin disease, 
But because she sinned, we can see that it came upon her as well with the judgment of God. And so it's very important that we understand the structure of how God does things, right? So we are all in this together, right? We're all in this together, but we must live structured. You have to know the lane that God has put you in. You have to know the giftings that God has given you. You have to understand the submission to God so that which leprosy is a picture of sin, that we no longer walk in sin because here's the deal. You're so important to us that what you do affects everybody. Paul writes then, don't look at me like I don't know what I'm talking about. Paul writes and says, if the foot is injured, it affects the entire body. (laughs) He says that if one person is sick, The rest of us need to understand that if you remain sick, it's going to affect us all. Why? Because one of the benefits of doing life together is that we're all in this thing together. We're all in this thing together. What a beautiful attraction to the world that they can see that every other place is divided. The workplace is divided. The fountain where you drink is divided. Our nation is divided. Politically, we're divided. Is there any place on this planet where we're all in this thing together? Even during COVID, it was disingenuous. You can't be all together when you live in a 5,000 square foot home. Come on. And so what we have to understand is the really reality of being together is where we understand that we are the body of Christ. And that we're all in this thing together. That we want to be a healthy body. Because we serve a perfect God. If you're taking notes, write that down. How do you fellowship with that person? Don't you know that what this person has done? The answer is this that you write down. We are a healthy body serving a perfect God. That's what it really is. That's your answer for why we do things together. It's because we are a healthy body that serves a perfect God. We're all in this thing together. And what we do is we cry out for mercy. Have mercy. On us, And I love when I saw this. They did not move out until Miriam was brought back in again. There are people right now that, you know, have walked away from the building. But I'm here to tell you, they can't walk away from the body. Not when they understand the benefits. They can walk away from the building, perhaps from a church or something else. But they can't walk away from the body. Not if the spirit of the living God got a hold of their soul. Not if they fully understand the benefits of a believer. That they can leave the building, they can say, I'm not coming back. And so we have, we, we have magnified that and we have continued to let people know, well, it's not about the building. I know that, but it's about the body coming together. Why? Because we're all in this thing together. Don't live isolated. Don't live isolated. The second point is that we are all cleansed. That we are all cleansed. That's the second benefit. We are all, someone say all so I went to a, a, a fundraiser. It was a, it was a banquet, for Voice of Hope. And every year they've been trying for us to go, but Lizzie's schedule, we couldn't go. And so finally Lizzie is gone. We're able to go. And I went there, and I was given the honor of, of closing out. And, and so the, the speaker that was there um, was, was speaking, and he said something that I had to, I had to check it, I had to fact check it, because I'm like, ooh, that, that's good. That can preach. And what he said was that he went, he was in Africa, and he said, hey, let's go look at the lines as they're going to eat. So he goes, okay, great. So they get in the Jeep, and, and, and which is, for me, I want it enclosed. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not risking having that thing open like that. But anyways, you know, they, they go, and, and they're doing their thing, and that's why pastors call to America. Amen, somebody, right? And, and so, 
And so he's, he's, he's in Africa. And, and if I want to see lions, I go to the zoo. And, and a, a great, just, just a great view of them. But he wanted to go see them eat. And, and so their favorite meal is the zebra. It's the favorite meal. And, and, and it's, it's amazing. So I'm like, okay, you got me. And he said that when he got there, the zebras were all in a herd. They were all together. Someone say together. That they were in a herd. They, they were all together from the youngest, the weakest. They were all together in a herd. And there was the prey, the lion. The lion was right there. And he says, why aren't they eating the zebra? It's right in front of them. And he says, well, you're not seeing what they're seeing. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, what you're looking at and what they're looking at is totally different. He says, the lions, when the zebras are all together and their stripes are matching and the way that they look to the lion, they look as one big animal. And so they're intimidated to try to go and get them. Come on, somebody. He says, when they're all together, we go hungry. So what we wait for is someone to just walk away and break rank. So the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's waiting for that one person who says, I don't want to be in this herd. I don't want to be in this tribe. I don't want to be in the body of Christ. I'm going to step away. And the lion says, ah, now I can go and get you. Why? Because you left the herd. You left the body. Listen, we're all in this thing together, my friend. And so we can't afford for someone to leave the rank and let the enemy devour them and come back hurt. We got to be like David. That when I saw the lion and the bear trying to take the sheep. I said, the same God who saved me, anointed me. I'm going to take you out, lion, because I've been called by God to protect the body. So when we tell people, stay together, we're not trying to control you. We're not trying to be religious. We're trying to protect your soul from being eaten by the enemy who's like a roaring lion. I was like, oh, my God. Someone say we're in this thing together. That's why you got to call someone. We don't see them after a week. That's why you have to check upon them. You got to get in their business to protect them from the enemy's business. We're in this thing together. Cry out for mercy. There is no pain that you're feeling that we're not feeling when you cry out for mercy. I got to move on. My time is going. So number two, we're all cleansed. And so as we look at this now in verse 13, we can see here that they cry for mercy. And the Bible says that they were cleansed that they were they were cleansed this greek word is means to purify so i kept saying god why don't you say when i read the word that leprosy was healed every time i read it, it says leprosy was cleansed or they were cured of leprosy it doesn't say healed it says they were cleansed because what we have to understand is this physical healing that jesus had to recognize the law that was established Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to break the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law, not break the law. Why is that important? It's important for us to understand that Jesus didn't come to break the law. He came to fulfill the law. So we would understand the Old Testament is the fulfillment of the New Testament. It's not to be separated. It means to be utilized to get the fullness of the message of Jesus. And so he begins and he says what they needed was to be cleansed. And so Jesus says, okay, I'll cleanse you. Now what's interesting is that in Luke chapter 7, when he, when he cleansed the leper, just the one person, he reached out and touched them. In this case, he just spoke the word. He says, okay, go and be cleansed. And so we are cleansed is simply this, that when we obey the Lord together, that there is not necessary an immediate healing, 
But there's an immediate cleansing. Automatically now, they said, have mercy on me. And so they're saying, nobody else can heal us. So guess what? We're just going to follow his word. And so we're not going to be guilty. We're not going to be guilty as charged of getting closer to the community. You see, when we had leprosy, we had to cry out, unclean, unclean. But here comes one now whose word is greater than our word. I have to change your confession. When you get cleansed, you change your confession. Because the one who told you you're clean is greater than the how you're feeling. It's greater than the sickness that you have. Are you with me so far? So we are cleansed is simply this. I am purified because of the word of God. And so now he says, you're cleansed, so go show yourself to the priest. Double blessing right there. Someone say double blessing. He says, number one, you're cleansed of leprosy. You no longer have it. We got to take a praise break for what God has cleansed us from. Come on. That guilt is washed away, people. I don't care what you did last night because God already knows that he's washed it away. But now he does this. He says, the 10 of you were not all together with the rest of what I'm doing. That you were all together in your misery. Now I want you to join and be a miracle to the rest of the body. So when God blesses us, it's for us to showcase God's blessing. And he tells them, you're cleansed. And so what they did was now, Jesus gave them double blessing. He says this, when you show yourself, you are doing this. You are restored physically. What a miracle. But number two, you're restored back to society with an official clean bill of health. So in other words, the guilt is removed. I have no fear of coming into public now and going before the priest. So the priest can function in what he was called to do. When we hold back our miracle from God, when we hold back what God has spoken for us to do, you rob somebody else of their gifting to be able to declare and to function according to God's design. Are you following me so far? The priest had a role to play. If they didn't go to the priest, they would be saying, okay, I have nothing to do. But now the priest comes and they say, how did you get healed? It was Jesus. What? He How did he heal you? He just spoke a word. He didn't touch you? No, because I was at a distance. But he said now that I'm healed. And the priest looks and says, clean bill of health. You can come back in society and change your communication right now. Do no longer say I'm unclean. Start to declare I'm clean. Come on, start to declare I'm cleansed. I have no more guilt. I can be with you in public and not feel guilty. Oh, that's so good. A friend of mine, he said this to me. He goes, Pastor, I didn't know when I came to see you how you would react the way I treated you before and what I did. And here's what I told him. I says, listen, buddy, we have a history. Don't worry about your past. He's like, what? We have a history. Don't worry about your past. Your past is making you feel guilty to come and for us to make history. And he's like, wow, cleanse, cleanse. And for many of us, we're living in our past. And he wants you to know right now, you are restored physically and you're restored back into society. You belong to the body of Christ. You are cleansed. Can you imagine Miriam and the people be like, well, it's because of you. We couldn't make any progress. You had to open your mouth. You spoke truth. There are people actually thinking that. I can't come to church because if I come to church, 
the things I've done, people will stare at me, will look at me, and I won't feel free. How in the world can you come to a place of freedom and not feel free? That's because the lie of the enemy wants you to live in your past and not move into your history, his story that he's writing. Your cleanse. Change your confession. Say with confidence, I have benefits as a believer. Guilt is removed. That's for somebody right there. Guilt, I've been away for months. Guilt is removed. Come on in. Don't let the enemy devour you. It's a lie of the enemy. When you, when you isolate yourself, the enemy will take you out. Now, there's an enemy called a lion. But there's also the enemy that moves slow. It's like a frog. If you want to kill a frog, you put him in water. But you turn it up and let it slowly devour them. And so just because you're not seeing an instant devoured by the enemy doesn't mean that he's not after you. That what he's saying, he wants to slowly get to a place of where your guilt keeps you in bondage. Someone say you're cleansed. I'm cleansed. That's why testimony service is so important. So important. So here's what they said now because they went back in society. Here was their thinking now. They can go anywhere they want to now. Their dreams are now reachable. They can recognize their potential. All doors are now open for them. They finally got what they wanted. I can be what I've always wanted to be. They wanted health and freedom and freedom from this disease that hindered them is now gone. The Bible says suddenly as they were going, suddenly as they were going, they were cleansed. They were cleansed. So why did I say to you it's important for us to confess our statement of faith? Because in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says this. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and what? Just. I'm going to park it right there. If we can get that up on the screen, that would be so good. Because this is the freedom that you're cleansed, not just from the skin disease, but you're cleansed from the defilement of sin. If we confess our sins, not in some booth to some man, if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and what? Just. Why did it say he is faithful to forgive us of our sins? He is just because the enemy is going to say, how in the world, God, can you forgive sin? They broke the law. They're guilty as charged. He says, but I'm faithful and I'm just. Oh, that's a good word right there. That I'm just to forgive us of our sins and to do what? Cleanse us from all, someone say all, all unrighteousness. Why? Because we're all in this thing together. I went to see Lizzie on Thursday. It was a big surprise, and I went down there, and, and I'm telling you, it, it, was, it was amazing. And, and um, as she's adjusting to, to, uh, to school, and um, thank God for, for, for Greg, and I was able to head down there, and he drove to come pick me up and his schedule allowed him to do that so I went down by myself and I didn't realize how much as a father I really needed that and uh, so I went I came back and so we had prayer meeting on Friday and, and so I get here about a little bit after eight I come in the prayer meeting and I walk in and, and they're, they're they're praying and I, and I come in 
And, and I, I get up here, and I said, I, I, I don't know what you guys have been doing. I, I have no idea. Um, but I just want to talk about God's faithfulness. And their jaw just dropped. I said, what? My, my zipper down? What's, what's going on? You know what I mean? Like, what, what, what's with the look? And they're like, we literally just finished talking about God's faithfulness. I was driving six and a half hours. Had no contact with them. I walk in the building, and what they were talking about, God puts it on my heart to say, let's talk about God's faithfulness. Come on. That's a place to give God praise and glory. What I'm here to tell you is this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse them all in righteousness. That's the benefit number two. We are cleansed. Benefit number three, which I think is so important, and this is really cool. Benefit number three, he closed the distance between us. He closed the distance between us. Luke 17, verse 15 and 16. I love this part. Luke 17, 15 and 16. Closed the distance between us. So if you picture with me what happened. So, so here were the ten leopards. They were, they were over there, and they were shouting from a distance. And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priests. Uh, and, and, and they were cleansed. And it says, suddenly as they were walking, um, they, they, they were cleansed. They get to the priest, and he says, oh, my goodness, you're there. But it says that, that verse 15 now, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, not cleansed, when he saw that he was what? Healed. This word heal, as I talked before about the statement of faith, I don't want us to miss this because this is really the anchor. This is it right here. He says, when one of them saw that he was healed, the Greek word for healed is not the word that I use therapy, right, in in Luke chapter 9. This word is that when he saw he was healed, it simply means this, that he recognized that the one who healed him was greater than the healing He moved from a place of physical healing. He moved from a place of being welcomed back into society to realize the one who did it is supernatural. So he is the healer. He's not just master. He's now the Messiah. So he goes now and he realizes, oh, my goodness, he discovered something. I want you to write that word down because that's a good word to write down. He discovered the nature of God in the healing that God provided by cleansing him. So he moved from just the guilt being removed. He now moved into a place of discovery. And if we don't get to a place of awe and wonder where we want to discover who God is, I'm afraid we get complacent sometimes and we fail to recognize that there's more. Someone say there's more. There's more. I step through this door and he goes, there's more. And I step through that door and he goes, there's more. And I step through that door and I'm still stepping through doors. He's saying there is more. There is life and life more abundantly. Don't settle for just heaven. Don't just settle that one day when you die, if the Lord don't return, and they put you in a coffin and you either get burnt or buried. Don't just settle for that. Live the abundant life right now. Recognize Jesus is the healer. It's a discovery. It's discovering I can have a close relationship with God. Yes. Without any fear. Yes. Without any guilt, yes. We're telling the devil he's a liar, yes. Who told me I couldn't be close to God? 
Come on, the devil is a liar. Of course I can be close to God. He's the healer. He closed the distance of where he's no longer shouting. I can get close to hear his whisper. Oh my God. God wants to whisper. But the reason why he shouted sometimes is because you're so far away. He wants to whisper. Can I teach this like I know? He closed the distance back in Genesis chapter what? Three. You know we always go back to the first three chapters of Genesis. When he came in the cool of the breeze, he came to close the distance. And they hid themselves because they were afraid. Guilt, they need to be cleansed. They need to be healed. He, he hides himself. And he says, I want to close the distance. And perhaps right now, your disappointment has caused a distance between God. Waiting on God and God not answering has caused there to be a distance. But he's coming and saying, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back. How do you discover? I ask you to write that word down. He discovered he was healed. He discovered the healer. Here's how you discovered the healer. Are you ready? Who wants to go on a discovery journey with me? First thing is this. He rerouted his direction. He rerouted his direction. I love the technology that we have now, the ways and all that different different stuff. And, and um, it's so interesting. I'm starting to see Lizzie mature now being an adult because she's kind of getting some boundaries. Amen, somebody. And I'm like, hey, just, just slowly build those boundaries, girl. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is still pops, right? You know what I mean? So, so, uh, um, and so I said to her, I said, hey, Lizzie, when, when you're coming uh, from school, when you get a break and you're coming from school, there's an app that I can watch as, as you're, as you, you know, this is dad. I can watch where you're going. I can see, you know, if you're in West Virginia and where you're going. And, um, and I said, so put that on your phone. And she goes, I'm not doing that. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> she goes, she thought I meant like from now. Like I can see where she's going right now. And I'm like, no, I can turn your phone off. I don't need that part. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm simply saying, she thought I meant like everywhere she's going. I said, no, 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 no. In your long distance, I want to be able to know where you are. I want to watch you as you close the distance to me. Come on. And so if she takes a wrong turn, the GPS will say rerouted, 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 rerouted. Take a wrong exit, rerouting, rerouting. And this individual realized to discover God and to get close to him, sometime your GPS is going to say rerouting. You're going the wrong direction. Even when it's something good, because it may replace God, rerouting, 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 rerouting. I got to reroute you because you're getting off track. You discovered me as the healer. Let me come now and give you the true healing that you need. If you're going to discover God, write it down. It's rerouting. It's rerouting. The second thing is then you need to be rejoicing because you made a right decision. It's rejoicing. He says with a loud voice when I was, since so here he said, when I was in my sickness, my voice was loud. And now when I get to my healing, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice. There is something about rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. There's something about this word rejoicing that, that, that Paul writes to the church of Philippians says, you are the joy. If you are to discover God, if you are to really discover God and all that there is and all that God has for you and to see the benefits of the believer, I want to get to where God really wants me to go with this thing. We have to close the distance between us. And here's the great thing. God initiates it. God healed them first. It wasn't God saying, hey, close the distance and I'll heal. He didn't say, hey, turn around and I'll heal. He says, go. And so he's looking at they were creating space. No, what he was doing was closing the distance because one of them discovered. 
You're on a discovery journey right now of the nature of God. And that's why it's important to know the scriptures so you can discover who God is. The third thing is this, that once you discover God, you get to a place of revelation, a place of revelation. So in my discovery, God is going to reroute me because we see that he turned back. I'm going to be rejoicing because I made the right decision. The first one is direction. The second one is decision. The third is devotion. Write that down. The first one, rerouting, and that was the direction. Rejoicing is the decision, and the revelation of God is the ultimate understanding of who he is, of who he is in our discovery. So the question is asked by Jesus in verse 17 and 18. Um, where are the ten cleansed? He didn't say heal. Where are the ten that were cleansed? Were there not ten people that I cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? I wrote this down. It's almost as if God just was saying, I thought we were all this together. I said, how in the world when you're all sick that you congregate together, but now that you are cleansed, you don't discover your healing. And so where are the other nine? A great question. Without trying to imply anything in the scripture and to be from a place where God is saying judgment belongs to him. Here's some of the things that perhaps maybe took place. They, They kept their distance. They didn't come back. Not because they weren't thankful for what Jesus did. The reason why they kept their distance was there was change of plans. Remember, suddenly now, they could fulfill their dreams. And so, therefore, all this healing was was just a genie. He was a sugar daddy. He, 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 he healed me. I mean, he cleansed me, and, and that's all I needed. The priest says, I'm good now. I don't have to go back to Jesus. The priest said, I'm good now. Change of plans because of competing cornerstones. Don't you kid yourself. Those competing cornerstones are causing us to see good but miss God. I will stand on that. That's a revelation of God. Our change of plans because competing cornerstones. I heard a statement one time that this guy got married and they went for marriage counseling. And so the counselor says, hey, you never tell your wife you love her. And so kept going counseling. So finally he speaks up and he says, uh, here's the deal. When we got married, I told her I love her. And if I change my mind, I'll let her know then. I told you once I love you. And if it changes, I'll let you know again. I have to keep telling you I love you. When it changes, I'll let you know. And that's how we treat Jesus. That's how we treat him. Is that he did something for us. And we never think he'd want to hear it again, how thankful we are. So what do we do then to remove the guilt of change of plans because of competing cornerstone? Write this down. We fill in the space with other stuff. We fill in the space with other stuff. So in other words, not just change of priorities, keep our distance. Excuse me, change of plans. There is a change of priority which takes up our time. I'm learning something about this concept of health. And it's interesting. So I'm going to teach this on on a Wednesday because I really have to go deep with it. Because uh, God is literally... Uh, speaking to me about health, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, because that's what he called this ministry to be, a place of healing, a place we do life together. I'm never going to move from that. I'm never going to move from that. 
that this is a place where life happens and where we become healthy. And so people are going to come in. There are people that Holy Spirit's bringing in, the people that you're inviting to come in, and we have to let them know about the ability and the, and the, and the nature of God to heal and, and for health. And one of the things that I realized with time, and this is what we have done wrong. So in the Greek, the word time is, is kairos and, 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 and kuros. There, 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 there's two separate words for, for time. There is, there is an appropriate moment, and then there is chronological time, chronos and kairos. And we have these two times that exist. And so as we function in that, both of these chronos and, 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 and kairos, what are they pulling from us? Great question. What are they pulling from us? What is time pulling from us? Because remember, God is outside of time. So that's why time doesn't heal. Come on. That's why time doesn't heal. God heals because he's outside of time. But he steps into time and gives us kairos and, chrono, and, 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 kairos and, and the chronological time. But what are they pulling from us? Because remember, we have to close the distance between us and God. Not the distance between us, the distance between God and us. Because the only way to get close to you is if I get close to him. That's the only way I can be safe to have a relationship is if I get close with God, I can get close with you. Because what it takes to get close to you is not just time, it's energy. And so we waste energy so we have no time for God. Come on. And so because of plans and priority, what we're doing is not, I don't have time. You have no energy because you've given your energy that caused a distance. Why? Because that competing cornerstone is worth your energy, so you give it your time. Are you following what I'm saying? But we miss kairos. We miss moments where God says, if you would have operated in this moment, you would have discovered who I am. You would have got your miracle. You would have received all the blessings that there is. Someone say time. I have no time, therefore I have no energy. And so therefore you stay distance with God. God's after your energy because he lives outside of time. So when you make time, it's literally priorities and plans. You make time. We do it all the time. No pun intended. If it's a priority of your heart, you make time for it. You give your energy to it. If it's not, you don't. We all do that. We all do that. And so from discovery, we want to go. Here's the next benefit. Here's the next benefit now. He says this. My faith has made me whole. Verse 19. My faith has made me whole. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you whole. I know some translations are going to say well, but other translations are going to have the word whole. You want to have the word whole. Because we began by looking at the word cleanse, which was one Greek word. Then we went into discovery. Excuse me. So we had cleanse, guilt removed. We have healed, discovery of the nature of God. Now we see that they're made whole. And this word is the Greek word called sozo. It's the word to save. It is the word that is used over a hundred times. And what it does, it, it does have to be well again. It does have to be cured. It does have to be restored. But this word literally means to sozo. It, it is a word that is so much stronger because it means that you have been rescued from destruction and brought into divine safety. So you're not just well. You have been made what? Whole. Oh, 
let that sink in because that is so important. Because when you understand you're made well, you may just think, because I physically feel well, so I'm well. No, you're made whole is what Jesus said to the one that came back. He said, you're made whole. In Luke chapter 7, verse 47 to verse 50, Luke 7, 47 to verse 50, he says this. Um, this woman comes and she's worshiping. She's fallen down. She's prostrate because that's what the Samaritan did. When he came to Jesus, he fell down on his face and he went like this and he was on his face and he was worshiping the Lord. He recognized the revelation of God. He discovered it. And at that point, he was just healed. But the moment when he saw that, Jesus says, you are now made whole. He says, rise up, rise up. And he says, go, you are made whole whole. It's the same thing where we see here in verse 47 of Luke chapter 7. He says, therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are what? Forgiven, cleansed, for she does what? Loved much. But he is forgiven little, does what? Love little. And he said to her in front of these religious people, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins. Picture with me. They had a skin disease. And because of I am healed, the benefits of the believer, he got to a place where he recognized it's not just my skin disease restored, it's now that my sin disease has been removed. Sozo. Sozo. And many of us, we live cleansed, but never discover the healing. And God forbid we understand that we are saved. And so what we do is we don't tell the benefits. And we say, people, who wants to get saved? And they have no idea the benefits of what they're about to confess. They simply think they're getting fire insurance. They don't go to hell. And they go to heaven. And we have limited the power of God because we haven't explained to people what sozo really is. Because it's not evident in our lives. Because we're content with just being healed and perhaps just being cleansed. We never want to walk in the souls. If you have prayed this prayer, God, heal our nation. The only way this nation is going to be healed is when the church gets healed. The only way is when believers who are healed, for that text to be applicable in America, it's speaking prophetically that when you get healed, you won't hurt people because now you're healed. You've got to understand the benefits that you have as a believer. Someone say, my faith has made me whole. That's why you're going to get to this place. Now, when you make a statement of faith like that, you're not telling people you're well. You're telling people I'm a whole. Come on. I am sozo. He has rescued me from destruction and he's put me now into his divine safety. Number five and our last one is this. After hearing all that, my soul will never forget all his benefits. My soul will not forget All his benefits. If you read Psalms 103, I want you to read that on your own time. Psalms 103, verse 2 and 4. You will see that what I just talked about, the first four, they're all contained in this Psalms, where it says, bless the Lord, O my soul. When you read and forget all his benefits, you're going to see where he begins with. He reverses it. He begins in Psalms 103 by first saying, bless the Lord, O my soul, from a place of sozo, who then heals my disease. Come on. Who then does this and goes back. That is so awesome. That the story in Luke 17 starts with cleanse, healed, sozo. Psalms 103 says, I'll never forget his benefits. Why? Not because I'm starting here by being cleansed, but I'm starting over here by being rescued. 
and in a place of safety. And so now I'm sozo, so I can discover my healing, so I can discover that I'm cleansed. Hallelujah. All the benefits of God is to bless my soul. That's what God has for me. Let me leave you with this now. Here's why I believe, perhaps, only one came and the other nine did not. You have been taught, if you have been taught this message, that we have people who every single Sunday, they live for a place of guilt, that every message they run to the altar, not responding to the altar of sacrifice so you can get the fire in your life, but because you don't want the fire of God to come on your life because you're afraid you messed up. Let me tell you that again. When we give an altar call service, it says, who wants to come to the altar? Many times we're like, well, I'm good. I don't come. No, there is an altar you have to come to where you lay yourself down. And he says, fire, fall on me. Consume my flesh, God, so I can see more of you. That's every single day. You ought to make an altar in your home. There should be an altar at your workplace. There should be an altar in your bedroom. There should always be an altar. Abraham kept making altars and sacrifice unto God. There should always be an altar in your life where you lay yourself down. And says, God, I'm a sacrifice. The altar I'm talking about is people that will come. And as a pastor, I see it over and over again. They will come and they will feel so guilty because I messed up. And the enemy is just hitting me with stuff. And and they live in this place of guilt. No security of the benefits of what it means to be a believer. They have a thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to hell. They say words. God doesn't love me. They live in this constant battle of guilt. I'm not worthy. And I'm messed up, God. And becomes religious. And they're in and they're out. No security. No sozo. They're not whole. You know people like that. Perhaps it might be. We have churches that that um, um, edifies or emphasize that guilt. You better watch out because God's watching where you are. You better know going on and they got their finger being pointed and they just continue to enforce the guilt there's no freedom in that there's no freedom and every time the enemy plays with your mind you go crazy there's no security in that we got people over here so what do we do as we always do we swing the pendulum way back over here and we have over here this doctrine that we call one save always save so we land over here and we tell people man I already got saved so I can live anywhere I want to because I'm saved no you're being lied to you're being deceived because even the person who was healed for 30 something years Jesus finds him and says don't do it unless a worse sin comes upon you so we have people over here that once saved, always saved. And, and I would see people and I would like, where's the fear of God? And they would say, bro, I made that statement years ago. And so what happens is this, is because of the fear of the opposite, we live in this place now. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter if I fellowship. It doesn't matter if I speak. It doesn't matter what I do. Tithe and all these different things. It doesn't matter why. Because I'm saved. I'm, I, I'm once saved, always saved. And we live the lie of the enemy over here. We have deceived people 
into having practices that makes God vomit. In the name of don't judge me. In the name of you don't know my heart. He does. And we live over here. It's no different than living over here. God called me to this nation. Come on. To say, get my people to be living in the balance. Pull them from over here in the deception. And pull them from over there in the guilt. And bring them to this place of where it's not about one save, always save. It's not about living in total guilt. It's called the security of the believer. Come on, church, put your hands together. It's the security of the believer. That when they try to pull me over there, I says, no, I'm sozo. I'm sozo. That will make me well. That will make me well. This will make me whole. I'm standing right here at the altar of God saying, God, it's the security of the believer. I can come before you. Secure that you won't cast me out. But yet reverence you that I fall on my face. I don't care what people think. And I can encounter God. If you want to encounter God, you're not going to encounter him over here. You will not encounter God over here. You will encounter God right here. When you have sozo upon sozo upon sozo upon sozo. Safe from destruction. And in his divine safety right here. I'm pulling some of you from over here. I know. I know I'm pulling some of you from over here. You've lived this way and there's no passion because you've become complacent. Because you think I said it one time and I'm okay. The devil is a liar. Because your soul may be saved but you're wasting your life. You're not influencing anybody. The devil is not coming after you because he's not omnipresent. He's busy with somebody else over here. So while you live over there, the enemy leaves you alone. And while you live here, he wants for you to stay here with him. But right now, in my last few moments, I'm here to tell you right now, TGP, we are pulling people from this city, from every city, and they're going to see what Sozo really looks like. They're going to see us where I am healed. They're going to say it's a statement of faith because I'm staying right here. I won't be talked out to go there. I won't be pulled to go back in there anymore. I'm right here, and I'm not confused. I know the benefits of the believer. They're secure in who Christ is. Romans 8 says, who can separate from the love of God that text won't work over here and that text won't work over here that text works right who can separate you from the love of God tribulations suffering it's in here it says all things work together for good to those who what love God to those who are what called according to his purpose that one person came back and said, I've lived in guilt. And it wasn't fun. And I don't want to get to the place where the other nine are busy because they got the blessing but don't want the blessing. They want to be right here. Biblically balanced. Church, will you join me? Those watching, will you join me and send a message to this nation? There are benefits to being a believer. I promise you, as the Lord is my witness, 
there will be no room to contain the souls that will walk into a fellowship when we understand. King of glory, fill this place. I just want to be with you. Over there, I'm distant. Over there, I'm deceived. But right here, I'm discovering. I just want to be with you.